847 is 366 and 7. Hello and welcome to Escort to Settle, a podcast about movie and TV music. I'm your host, Brian McVicker. Each episode, I focus on music composed for film and television, whether through analyzing a specific score or series, taking a deep dive into a particular composer's work, or by way of interviews with guests, both those in the industry and also fellow fans. So I'd like to take you through my thought process, first of all, on this latest episode. Heading into this new year, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to pause the podcast or continue producing episodes outside of my annual recap with album producer Neil S. Bulk. It's obviously a time-consuming process to produce these episodes single-handedly, even while it's creatively satisfying and fun. But when making notes for myself on potential 2023 topics, I kept noticing a trend that being TV series, which migrated to the big screen. On my list of suitable subjects were titles such as Mission Impossible, The Man from U.N.C.L.E., Lost in Space, Transformers, Star Trek, and The X-Files. I seemed motivated to explore this scenario further in terms of musically what was and was not migrated over from the television episodes to the theatrical feature. For instance, was the TV series theme referenced? Was the style of episodic scoring repeated? Why or why not? Was the series composer or composers hired on for the cinematic adventures? My plan is to feature music released officially on album from a selected TV series, followed by the film or films, and see if we can identify some persistent musical attributes. To begin with, Let's choose to accept a seemingly impossible mission. Mission Impossible was an incredibly popular, critically acclaimed, and Emmy and Golden Globe winning spy drama series that aired on CBS for seven seasons, beginning in 1966 through 1973. It was produced by Bruce Geller, who converted his screenplay for a caper film into a TV pilot and sold it to Desilu Studios. The 1960s were of course the height of the spy fever across all media following the dynamic introduction of James Bond 007 to cinemas in 1962 with Dr. No. Spy-themed movies and TV shows spilled forth from this big bang of sorts, although what set Mission Impossible apart was its focus on a covert team of highly trained operatives as opposed to following a lone agent 
or a pair of agents. The team, the Impossible Mission Force, or IMF, were assigned to tackle foreign dictators and urban crime syndicates through imaginative setups and disguises. It was a formula flexible and resilient enough to see itself resurrected twice after cancellation, once again on television in 1988, and then via a blockbuster series of movies starring Tom Cruise, which continue through to today. Threaded throughout all of this Mission Impossible content is the themes by Argentinian-born composer Lalo Schifrin. In a nutshell, there are two thematic pillars of Mission Impossible, the main title and the plot. The music's point of view is always the mission and not the characters, evidenced by the multitudinous variations of these two themes forming the backbone of each episode's score. The most famous of the two themes is, of course, the main title. As we watch a lit match light a fuse, the theme immediately creates alarm with an opening trill and is then driven forward in an odd meter tempo. It's a 5-4 time signature often associated with Latin dances such as the tango, counting out as 1-2-3-1-2. Over the rhythmic element is the melodic line, a mostly stepwise, descending in three-note groups type of statement. Instrumentation is period-specific, and so in 1966, it's a hip, jazzy style, with bongos, brass, hi-hat cymbals, solo flute, and bass guitar. Interestingly enough, the main title piece was updated and re-recorded several times during the show's seven seasons in order to mix up the instrumentation a bit, such as in the 1970 version. And then there is an unused version from that same year of the main title that attempted to heavily rock out the theme with electric guitar. Next, the second recurring thematic pillar of Mission Impossible is a theme which Lalo Schifrin labeled the plot. It's utilized much more frequently in the episode proper than the main title theme. Schifrin once explained that it has a sense of a march, but is much more tense with a sense of intrigue. It's a very malleable tune that can propel almost any sequence and can migrate to almost any section of the orchestra at most any tempo. While the main Mission Impossible theme will bookend a given episode's action and excitement, you'll hear the plot theme recapitulated more frequently throughout, as in this example of cues from three different episodes, The Contender, The Killer, and Submarine. Thank you. 
That was an example from three different episodes of variations of Lalo Schifrin's secondary theme for Mission Impossible, called The Plot. Outside of these two recurring themes, there are three other musical attributes defining the soundscape of Mission Impossible that are worth spotlighting. First, episode scores might include special instrumentation to highlight an exotic locale, such as Greece, Latin America, or Eastern Europe. For example, the latter locale, Schifrin indicates musically in the season one episode Memory by using the cymbalom and a Russian dance-like vibe. Then, in a third season episode called The Heir Apparent, about an elderly blind woman set to inherit the throne of a European country, Schifrin adds cymbalom, organ, and harpsichord to the orchestra, as heard in this cue, in which the harpsichord sounds out the Mission Impossible theme.
Second of these musical attributes is that as the series progressed, the music adapted to current scoring styles of the time. For instance, in the early 1970s, Lalo Schifrin absorbed the prevailing pop trends, incorporating more bass and electric guitar, electric keyboards, and a more subtle funk vibe. This sound aligns not only with his concurrent film work at the time, the original Dirty Harry from 1971 and 1973's Enter the Dragon, but also the overall trend in film music in a post-shaft landscape. Listen in this cue from the season 5 episode The Killer as Schifrin expresses his plot theme in a very cool funk setting. That was a cue called Scorpio from Lalo Schifrin's score for the season 5 episode The Killer of the original Mission Impossible TV series. It was an example of how, as the series progressed, it adapted to current film scoring trends at the time, in this case, the early 1970s. And so the third aspect of the music for Mission Impossible that I want to spotlight is that of source music. Now, some astute listeners out there might wonder why I would mention source music for a series. And there are perhaps some out there wondering, what the heck is source music? Source music is also referred to as diegetic music. And this is music that is part of the fictional world we're watching, i.e. what is playing on a car radio, in a bar, at a party. This is music that the characters themselves are often aware of. Conversely, Non-diegetic music is the score proper. 
During the time of the initial Mission Impossible TV series, the role of music supervisor didn't exist in the same manner as it does today. In the current TV landscape, music supervisors will find and license songs by current pop artists such as Taylor Swift, Bad Bunny, or The Weeknd for inclusion in a popular show. In previous decades, however, if a TV show's characters attended a bar or a club, music heard in the background from a jukebox or a radio were usually written specifically by the composers on the series and often labeled jazz, blues, or just generic rock instrumentals. An early source cue example is this mid-tempo number called Mambo Impossible, which Lalo Schifrin wrote for the pilot episode, which aired in September of 1966. That was the source cue titled Mambo Impossible, composed by Lalo Schifrin for the Mission Impossible pilot episode, airing in September of 1966. There are many other examples of catchy source cues heard during the seven seasons, and by the final season in 1973, Schifrin was contributing instrumentals befitting that era, such as this cue called The Gentle Earthquake from the season six episode called The Miracle, an episode with a restaurant setting needing a great deal of diegetic tunes. That was the source cue called The Gentle Earthquake, composed by Lalo Schifrin from the Season 6 Mission Impossible episode called The Miracle. So, to sum up, the attributes of the two main themes, the locale-specific instrumentation, 
the adoption of current scoring styles, and unique source cues are what I'd like to track as we move forward. But before then, I'd like to mention another component of TV scoring overall at the time when the original Mission Impossible series ran. It's a component which will be relevant to future episodes of this series of my podcast when including other shows from that same era. It used to be the situation that not every episode of a TV series featured an original score, and that most every series featured music from a variety of different composers. To be more specific, in the 1960s, an average season of 24 to 26 episodes of a TV show would only have about 10 or so receive an original score. The remaining episodes were scored via library cues, generic compositions that could be used for any given chase or suspense scene, and cues tracked in or reused from another episode of that series with original music. In the case of Mission Impossible, Lalo Schifrin scored an average of three episodes each season, and the cues from those scores would be utilized across the rest of the season. Meanwhile, the other episodes slotted to receive original music would be assigned to other venerable composers on staff at the studio or on loan from another. This would include such greats as Gerald Freed, Hugo Montenegro, and Jerry Fielding. How they each interpreted and supplemented Schifrin's musical template for Mission Impossible makes for a wonderful segue to discussing the scores for the big screen outings. Check out this cue called Hitchhike composed by Gerald Freed for the first season episode called Odds on Evil. This cue features a really propulsive and brassy variation of Schifrin's main Mission Impossible theme.
That was a cue called Hitchhike, composed by Gerald Freed for a first season episode of Mission Impossible, an example of how other composers at the time were interpreting Lalo Schifrin's thematic material. Now, Gerald Freed was a mainstay in 1960s and 70s TV, including the original Star Trek, Lost in Space, and The Man from U.N.C.L.E., providing tuneful, toe-tapping scores for all of them. Meanwhile, Hugo Montenegro, band leader and cover artist extraordinaire, scored the season 5 episode The Rebel with an absolute swinging piece of chase music with a 1970s fuzz guitar to boot. This is a cue called Fight and Capture. That was an example of some of composer Hugo Montenegro's music for the original Mission Impossible series, a cue called Fight and Capture from a season five episode called The Rebel. Hugo Montenegro might be best remembered for his cover versions of music from Italian Western genre movies, otherwise known as spaghetti westerns. As for the episode scores that sought to musically color a foreign locale, composer Robert Drasnan his music for season 5's episode Butterfly utilizes the Japanese koto and shamisen to highlight its Far East setting.
Robert Drasnin, as well as being a clarinet player, was another composer often heard throughout a huge swath of TV of this decade, with credits ranging from Twilight Zone to Lost in Space, The Man from UNCLE, Wild Wild West, and Hawaii Five-0. For another indelible instance of guest composers following Lalo Schifrin's template to musically color a foreign locale, in Gerald Freed's last score for the series, the season four premiere, The Code, he provided a strongly Latin flavor. Certainly not to be ignored, variations on Lalo Schifrin's plot theme abound among the other composers' respective episode scores, such as in this cue from the season 4 episode Commandante. This is music composed by Richard Hazard, in which the plot theme plays over the staccato odd-meter rhythmic bass of the Mission Impossible theme. That was music composed by Richard Hazard for the season four episode Commandante of the original Mission Impossible series, an example of how the other composers were incorporating and reinterpreting Lalo Schifrin's two thematic pillars for the series, in this case, the plot theme. And lastly, several of these additional composers, such as Don Ellis, Jack Ubrant, and Gerald Freed, had the opportunity to write source cues for their respective episodes. One source cue that I've unashamedly loved was the was by famed jazz saxophonist and arranger Benny Golson. It's called The Wig Out, and it's from the episode Flipside, which centers on interrupting a West Coast drug distribution chain. 
It's super funky and kind of sounds like what you might have heard in movie theaters 50 years ago to announce the coming attractions. That was the source cue called Wig Out, written by Benny Golson for a season five episode of Mission Impossible called Flipside. The original Mission Impossible series was canceled in 1973 by Paramount in its seventh season, wrapping up with a whopping 171 episodes, Emmy and Golden Globe wins, and a long future set in syndication. During this pause in the franchise's public persona, I'd like to share a bit more background on famed composer Lalo Schifrin. Born in Buenos Aires in 1932, Lalo Schifrin placed himself at the piano at the age of six, nursed an interest in jazz, and then at age 20 earned a scholarship to study at the legendary Paris Conservatory. While steeped in the concert classical repertoire during the days, the Knights saw young Lalo playing jazz in Paris nightclubs. After later returning to Buenos Aires, forming a jazz band himself and becoming an arranger, Schifrin traveled to New York City to spend time as a pianist with iconic trumpeter Dizzy Gillespie and his quintet. Once he followed the siren call of Hollywood and began scoring pictures around 1962, his Latin American heritage, his conservatory training, jazz and big band arranging background all allowed Lalo Schifrin the ability to tackle most any genre and musical style. This included challenging modernist orchestral writing, soaring melodicism, or groove-based scores to propel a movie. Even the choice to pen the Mission Impossible theme in a tango dance tempo honors his roots. Some of his most memorable film projects include Cool Hand Luke, Bullet, Enter the Dragon, The Amityville Horror, four of the five Dirty Harry installments, and all three Rush Hour movies. By the late 1970s and early 80s, Paramount attempted both theatrical and television revivals for its Mission Impossible franchise, yet it wasn't until 1988 that any new adventures were set before the cameras. 
A writer's strike at the time left studios floundering for new content, and so a desperate ABC network dusted off scripts from the original series, updated the details to present day, and cast fresh faces in a TV revival that lasted two seasons. Along with Peter Graves and the cast as Jim Phelps, composer Lalo Schifrin returned to liven up both of his Mission Impossible themes, scoring the initial three episodes of the revival. Afterwards, his protege, Ron Jones, continued with scoring duties, aided by John E. Davis and Velton Ray Bunch. Funny enough, Jones also was embedded in another major franchise revival under the Paramount banner, that being the return of Star Trek to the small screen as The Next Generation was entering its second season. Schifrin and Jones collaborated on updating the soundscape of Mission Impossible, mirroring what occurred organically when the series aged from the 60s into the 70s. Since this was now the late 1980s, it meant two things, synthesizers and drum machines. As heard in this montage cue by Ron Jones for the episode entitled The Wall. a cue composed by Ron Jones for an episode of the Revival Mission Impossible series, an episode called The Wall, that was a cue titled Team Montage, an example of how the soundscape of the Mission Impossible scores had been updated to match the late 1980s. In terms of all those musical attributes that I had listed that characterized the original series, most can be found in the 1988 Revival show as well although these episode scores lean far more heavily on variations of the plot theme and less on new supplemental material. Also, there are fewer examples of unique music coloring an exotic locale through additional instrumentation, as instead, a persistent synthesizer-orchestral hybrid tone is maintained, with the occasional bass or electric guitar. In the episode The Condemned, Ron Jones does briefly characterize Istanbul with a more endemic instrumentation to the locale. Schifrin, who himself was in the midst of a busy film schedule with The Deadpool, Return from the River Kwai, and Berlin Blues all around the same time, adopted the current scoring style for new variations on his themes, such as in this cue called Question and Revelation.
composer Ron Jones fully embraced the synthesizer technology of the era here and in his music for Star Trek The Next Generation, in some instances omitting acoustic instruments altogether. Of course, it's always a tough call compositionally to incorporate trendy pop or instrumental styles as they don't all age in the same fashion. You could make the argument that the jazz and funk elements prevalent in the original TV series scores have aged more gracefully than a cue from the revival series due to the transitory nature of electronic sounds. This somewhat dated quality is evident in this Ron Jones cue called The Wall from the episode of the same name. That was music composed by Ron Jones for the episode The Wall from the 1988 revival of the Mission Impossible series. I have to stop and thank the record label La La Land Records for releasing so much music from both the original and the revival series of Mission Impossible. They have a fantastic six CD box set of music from the original 60s and 70s series, and then another two CD set of music from the 1988 revival. So again, hats off to Lotta Land for releasing so much of this wonderful music on disc for fans to enjoy. And so, following the cancellation of this TV revival of Mission Impossible, the franchise entered another extended hiatus period, although for a less amount of time than before. In 1992, world-famous actor Tom Cruise and his agent Paula Wagner formed their own independent film production company. The duo zeroed in on Mission Impossible as their initial theatrical endeavor, hiring notable thriller director Brian De Palma and beginning production early 1995 with a release set for summer of 1996. Thankfully, Cruz and De Palma both respected the integral character of Lalo Schifrin's theme to Mission Impossible, opting to retain it while also hiring a new composer to incorporate it. At first, Alan Silvestri, who had just garnered praise and commercial success for 1994's Forrest Gump, was signed to provide the score for this big-screen adventure. However, his score was rejected and replaced with new music composed by Danny Elfman, with only weeks to completion. Elfman's resulting score for Mission Impossible is a high point for action suspense scores of the decade and for Elfman's over at the time, and it arrived at a crucial turning point in Elfman's own personal sound. He had, of course, spent much of the previous 10 years as Tim Burton's musical muse for hits like Beetlejuice, Batman, and Edward Scissorhands. 
These scores utilize large orchestra and choir to present his gothic, bittersweet, and quirky tonalities. However, starting around 1995, Elfman was working in more diverse genres, and his music became more dissonant, textural, and percussive as a result. To illustrate, listen to his main title cue for the 1995 crime thriller Dead Presidents, and listen for its stabbing string statements, skittering percussion, and chattering struck chimes. Along with both of Schifrin's main themes for Mission Impossible, Elfman continued exploring this newly developing sound that was heard in Dead Presidents, adding the full orchestra and several new themes of his own.
in terms of those identifiable attributes of music for Mission Impossible as a franchise, Elfman's score doesn't feature much location-specific touches or source cues. But his use of bongos, bass guitar, solo flute, and struck percussion really recall the flavor of 60s-era spy music. And his own rising, heroic main theme for Cruz's character of Ethan Hunt blends seamlessly into Schifrin's The Plot and Mission Impossible themes. All of these components collide and culminate in the climactic action finale of Mission Impossible, specifically the cues titled Zoom A and Zoom B. These are relentless action cues accompanying a dizzying sequence involving a helicopter and a bullet train, and reaches a pulse-pounding resolve by way of Schifrin's main Mission Impossible theme. This is the cue entitled Zoom B, composed by Danny Elfman for 1996's Mission Impossible.
The inaugural Mission Impossible cinematic installment was a massive hit, and four years later the sequel arrived, this time directed by Hong Kong action director John Woo. Tom Cruise and Ving Rhames were joined by Tandy Newton and Dugray Scott in the cast, while in the music department, Hans Zimmer stepped in to compose a score diametrically opposed to Elfman's. Now, I've discussed Hans Zimmer's groundbreaking approach to film scoring previously, uh, both in sound and application. But for some context, in the decade leading up to Mission Impossible 2, Zimmer had reshaped the sound of action movies through his hybrid of orchestra, synth, and rock instrumentation. Zimmer stated in several uh, interviews at the time of Mission Impossible 2 that he wanted to simply rock out on this score and not utilize a traditional orchestra. And this is evident in his grunge version of Schifrin's main tune. That was the cue called The Bait from Hans Zimmer's score for MI2 in the year 2000, his chance to update the theme to current pop trends of that day. Not too dissimilar to when Schifrin updated it during the early 1970s and again in the late 1980s. In listening for the other musical trademarks of the Mission Impossible series, Zimmer's music for Mission Impossible 2 really chooses to hew closely to those current film scoring trends of the day, similar to how the 1980s TV revival series did with synths and drum machines. There is sparing use of the Mission Impossible theme, interestingly enough, and the overall soundscape of the score falls more in line with Zimmer's own scores for the 90s action epics Broken Arrow, Crimson Tide, and Drop Zone. Listen to the hard rock setting of Zimmer's villain theme for MI2 in this cue called Bear Island.
Now, somewhat surprisingly, Hans Zimmer achieves a wonderful trifecta early in the film, contributing a cue which functions as both diegetic source and then score, and also musically sets the specific location, in this case, Seville, Spain. The melody, dynamically expressed here and bolstered by toe taps, finger snaps, and hand claps, is a version of his theme for Tandy Newton's character, Naya. This is the cue called Seville. During this same summer and same month as Mission Impossible 2, audiences saw the release of eventual Oscar Best Picture winner Gladiator, directed by Ridley Scott, and also featuring a score by Hans Zimmer. For that film, Zimmer collaborated with Australian vocalist Lisa Gerrard in a symphonic and world music tour de force, itself earning an Academy Award nomination. These two individuals continued their collaboration right into the next project, that being this first Mission Impossible sequel. As you can hear in this track titled Injection, in which Lisa Gerrard's voice really takes center stage.
That was a portion of the impassioned cue called Injection, to illustrate the continued collaboration between Zimmer and Lisa Gerard in the year 2000 on both MI2 and Gladiator. Due to Tom Cruise's usually booked movie shooting schedule, long delays between Mission Impossible installments is quite common. Yet, this allows the series to seem less defined by a single era, and instead the film series can touch down and plug into ever-shifting cinematic trends and styles. When we next join Ethan Hunt and team on a seemingly impossible mission, it's in 2006, and this third installment and the next form a brief two-film cycle, uh, which placed J.J. Abrams in command. By 2006, Abrams and his Bad Robot production co-partner Brian Burke had hugely impacted the television landscape with three impactful series, Felicity, Alias, and Lost. Many of those who worked with them on these projects, including screenwriters, cast, production designers, and composer Michael Giacchino, were migrated over to Mission Impossible 3, which also served as Abrams' directorial debut. The aforementioned TV series Alias made for the perfect training ground to shepherding the Mission Impossible franchise in plot, tone, and style. Alias, which ran five seasons on ABC, was an action-adventure series clearly influenced by the Mission Impossible template, with its covert team of spies, disguises, complex missions to topple dictators or retrieve objects, all unfolding in settings across the globe. For the entire run of the series, composer Michael Giacchino endowed Alias with a musical approach similar to Schifrin's on Mission Impossible, that being recurring themes, unique instrumentation for exotic locales, and adopting to concurrent pop trends into his scores. Granted, Giacchino's approach to themes was the exact opposite, as he assigned themes to characters and juggled about half a dozen of these across the episodes. But his integration of techno and electronica elements into the orchestra firmly plant the series uh, into the 2000s. Even when provided a 110-piece orchestra, Michael Giacchino finds space in his Mission Impossible music for bongos, electric bass, solo flute, and vibraphone, all to reflect the late 1960s era of jazzy spy music. In this way, his score for Mission Impossible 3 is more akin to Danny Elfman's approach to the first movie, including huge statements of the main Mission Impossible theme. Michael Giacchino scored both Mission Impossible 3 and the fourth installment, 2011's Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, the latter directed by famed animation director Brad Bird. Giacchino and Bird collaborated previously on the now-beloved Pixar classics The Incredibles and Ratatouille, 
forming as strong a bond as exists between G. Aquino and J.J. Abrams, making his continued involvement here a foregone conclusion. In my estimation, G. Aquino's two Mission Impossible scores best embody all attributes heard in the original television series, from integrating both of Lalo Schifrin's themes to unique instrumentation to color an exotic locale, adopting current pop music or film music trends, and source cues, all set alongside a late 60s jazz sound to make it a little bit retro. And if that wasn't enough, G. Kino also composed new themes for the IMF team and a gentle love theme underscoring Ethan Hunt and his fiancée, Julia. Plus, there are several standalone, ostinato-driven, pulse-pounding action cues. For examples of him musically denoting locales, listen to this cue from Ghost Protocol, titled In Kremlin with Anticipation, which opens with Schifrin's plot theme before underscoring a cut to Moscow, with brass and choral music evoking all things Russian. Later, the action in Ghost Protocol moves to Dubai, and G. Kino provides a rapturous and lush string-led theme shaded in Middle Eastern tonalities while recalling Maurice Jarre's similarly rapturous theme for 1962's Lawrence of Arabia.
Michael Giacchino's integrations of the main Mission Impossible theme into his scores ranges from understated to show-stopping. In the former category, there is a heart-stopping action cue from Mission Impossible 3 called The Shootist. The foundation is the rhythm of the Mission Impossible theme, that 5-4 tango time signature, which bounces among all sections of the orchestra, all as Giacchino's own IMF theme is belted out by horns and trumpets. That 5-4 tango tempo imbues the cue with furious energy. So this is the cue called The Shootist from Mission Impossible 3, composed by Michael Giacchino. That was a cue from Michael Giacchino's score for Mission Impossible 3. Next, to continue illustrating how deftly Giacchino paid tribute to all musical attributes of the series, in Ghost Protocol, his cues Mood India and Mumbai's The Word not only reflect current dance grooves, but also the locale setting of the Indian state of Maharashtra, acts as party source music, and even incorporates the Schifrin tune. I'll share the cue Mood India and listen towards the end as strings and horns enter and subtly shift the focus of the cue from diegetic party source into score. So this is part of the cue called Mood India, composed by Michael Giacchino from the film Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol.
That was a selection of Michael Giacchino's music from 2011's Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, the fourth installment in the film franchise. As I mentioned earlier, the third and fourth Mission Impossible movies form somewhat of a J.J. Abrams-led duology in the franchise, since so many individuals from his productions, his TV productions, were involved. Writing credits on both are attributed not just to Abrams, but his frequent, at the time, TV writing partners, Alex Kurtzman, Robert Orsi, Andre Nemec, and Josh Applebaum, all with credits on Alias, Fringe, and or Lost. With Michael J. Kino's music providing the spirit and tone for both Mission Impossible 3 and Ghost Protocol, this consistency helped the film series feel more akin to the weekly TV series. J.J. Abrams' production company Bad Robot remained as one of the producing partners on the fifth entry, 2015's Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. However, for the most part, the reins were fully handed over to filmmaker Christopher McQuarrie, who himself gained acclaim and award in 1995 for writing the Oscar-winning thriller The Usual Suspects. Tom Cruise began collaborating with McQuarrie as far back as the movie Valkyrie in 2008, and the pair have continued to follow suit on almost every project since then, from Jack Reacher to Edge of Tomorrow, through to 2017's The Mummy, and last year's Top Gun Maverick. Beginning with Rogue Nation, McQuarrie has emerged as Cruise's consistent co-pilot for the Mission Impossible franchise, also writing and directing the sixth film, Fallout, and the soon-to-be-released seventh and eighth installments. Musically, though, there was a shift that occurred, as Rogue Nation featured a score composed by Joe Kramer, while Lorne Balfe was hired for Fallout. The former composer, Joe Kramer, was Macquarie's musical muse on previous projects The Way of the Gun and Jack Reacher before they tackled Rogue Nation together. Kramer's score is wonderfully robust and a more traditionally acoustic, large orchestral score. Different from the nervously energetic and percussively textured Elfman score, very far afield from Hans Zimmer's swaggering rock score, but a great companion piece to both of Michael Giacchino's efforts. Kramer anchors his work with his own new theme for the film's villain, called Solomon Lane. It's a sinewy and classically alluring theme, which soon grows to become more threatening as the piece develops. So this is the track called Solomon Lane from Joe Kramer's score for 2015's Mission Impossible Rogue Nation.
That was the track called Solomon Lane, composed by Joe Kramer, off the soundtrack album for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. So, without any spoilers here, the centerpiece sequence of the movie occurs at the Vienna State Opera during a performance of Puccini's opera Turando. Director Macquarie and composer Joe Kramer seem to resonate with the lush, romantic sweep of Turando, as Kramer's score references Puccini directly at times, and in other instances simply mirroring the sumptuous string component. For instance, in the cue called A Matter of Going, Kramer shifts from the Lalo Schifrin Mission Impossible material to his Solomon Lane theme, and then to Turando references. Additionally, Kramer supplies some kinetic, odd-meter propulsive action cues, utilizing a recurring brass and percussion motif, often paired with the Schifrin themes, such as heard here in the cue A Foggy Night in London.
That was more music from 2015's Rogue Nation, composed by Joe Kramer, specifically the cue A Foggy Night in London, to spotlight his recurring action motif heard throughout the score. Kramer wraps up his effort with a spine-tingling melding of the Solomon Lane and Mission Impossible themes. And then scores the end credits with a freshly composed yet old-fashioned suite of all the themes and motifs heard throughout. It was honestly quite surprising to see Joe Kramer exit the Mission Impossible film franchise after Rogue Nation, especially since it was his third feature with director Macquarie. They seemed to collaborate well together. Since 2015, Kramer, who hails from Albany, New York, and studied at Berklee College of Music, has been composing for audio dramas, TV, and the concert stage. Mission Impossible as a film series is a rarity in that its critical reception and commercial success continue to improve with each sequel. The initial entry was a huge hit for sure, but reviews were a bit mixed. Mission Impossible 2 was the number one movie of 2000, but the critical response was mostly one of disappointment. Starting with Mission Impossible 3, the series was finding confidence in itself, and though its success was muted, it led the way for a real reignition with Ghost Protocol, and followed by the dazzling Rogue Nation. So when writer-director Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise set to work immediately on the sixth film, titled Fallout, the expectations were peaking. Fallout, which also stars Henry Cavill and Rebecca Ferguson, impressed massively in all arenas, from character to plot, action and spectacle, and also musically. In a deliberate shift away from the previous scores, McQuarrie hired Hans Zimmer protege Lorne Balfe to tackle this musical mission. Macquarie asked Balfe to musically trace a more emotional journey for Tom Cruise's character of Ethan Hunt. The resulting score could be considered the most distanced from the usual attributes of the Mission Impossible franchise, as its tone and approach more closely follow film music trends emerging in a post-Batman Begins sonic landscape. The main Mission Impossible and plot themes are incorporated often, However, there are no locale-specific instrumentation utilized or source cues, and the movie is scored from bow to stern in a very serious-minded, no-nonsense manner. Its primary focus is one of momentum, such as in this cue called Freefall.
That was a section of the queue called Free Fall, composed by Lauren Balfe for 2018's Mission Impossible Fallout, the most recent installment. For those familiar with the music for director Christopher Nolan's films, what is heard in Fallout is of a similar character to the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, and Tenet, for example. There is omnipresent massed brass and staccato strings, creating a wall of sound, heavy percussion, synth growls, and more of a processed quality to it all. Of course, adopting current scoring trends is one of the consistent musical attributes of Mission Impossible that I noted at the top. However, outside of the presence of bongos and splashes of piano riffs, there is less a sense of playfulness and color that was heard threaded through the previous Mission Impossible movie scores. In this propulsive chase cue called Stairs and Rooftops, a battery of bongos kicks it off, then listen for those rapid staccato piano riffs and bellicose horn statements of the main Mission Impossible theme. This is the cue called Stairs and Rooftops from Mission Impossible Fallout.
That was a portion of the queue stairs and rooftops from Mission Impossible Fallout. For some background, Lorne Balfe is a British composer who was part of the team at Hans Zimmer's Remote Control Productions for around 10 years or so, contributing music to a variety of projects, including Batman Begins and Dunkirk. His solo cinematic scores range from Terminator Genesis, Lego Batman, and Black Widow, plus TV shows such as The Crown and His Dark Materials. It's amusing to realize that during the span of time in which this film series has been running, that both The Mentor, Hans Zimmer, and The Apprentice, Lorne Balf, have now each scored an installment. In fact, Balf is set to exceed his mentor and Michael Giacchino's efforts by being hired to score both upcoming Mission Impossible movies, Dead Reckoning Parts 1 and 2, making this a musical trilogy of sorts for the composer. The question will be whether he and director uh, Macquarie decide to continue the style and tone heard in Fallout, or will they venture into new Sonic territories, or perhaps pay homage to the template set down over 50 years ago by Lalo Schifrin. It's somewhat akin to that other long-running spy series, with its own indelible theme and singular musical author that being James Bond and John Barry. As the series ages and evolves, what original traits remain and what is newly absorbed from the surrounding cinematic culture? As an avid audience member and listener, I continue choosing to accept these missions as they're presented to me. I want to thank everyone for listening today to this episode of the podcast. I appreciate each of you accepting this assignment of exploring the music of Mission Impossible, the first in my series of listening to TV shows that migrated over to the big screen. I had considered waiting until the next two movies are released, but that's still another year or so away, and I was sort of eager to get started. Oh, and if anyone is curious as to my most listened to scores, from the Mission Impossible series, um, it would be the original TV show, followed by the two Michael Giacchino scores, and possibly surprisingly, Hans Zimmer's MI2. Music heard in this episode were from the following TV shows and films. Mission Impossible, the original TV series, airing from 1966 to 1973, music by Lalo Schifrin and numerous guest composers. Mission Impossible, the 1988 revival TV series. Music by Lalo Schifrin, Ron Jones, and John E. Davis. Next, Mission Impossible, the 1996 movie, and Dead Presidents, both composed by Danny Elfman. MI2, otherwise known as Mission Impossible 2, by Hans Zimmer. Mission Impossible 3, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, and the TV series Alias, with music by Michael Giacchino. Rogue Nation, composed by Joe Kramer, and Mission Impossible Fallout by Lorne Balfe. If you'd like to send any comments or questions, you can email the show at podcast at gmail.com, find the blog at ascoretosettle.blogspot.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash settle, 
and on Twitter at Score2SettledPod. That's Score, the number two, Settled Pod. The show is available on most streaming platforms, and if you listen to the show by way of Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave a rating and review. That's always appreciated, and you can even get a shout-out. Thanks again for listening. This episode will self-destruct in five seconds.